Welcome to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Now your hosts, doctor and pastor of Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, Michael Caesar, and co-host Johnny D. Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. And welcome to another edition of the What Is Truth radio show, Sunday mornings at 7 a.m., bright and early. Here we are. I remember that there was an old saying, the early bird gets the worm. And a doctor I work with said, you know what the moral of that story is? Uh, sleep in late if you're a worm. But I, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, Dr. Michael Caesar here in studio with my partner in truth, uh, Mark Sassy. Good, Good having you, brother. And uh, we have been studying for a number of uh, months here on a great book in the New Testament. It's the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus had promised uh, uh, Peter when he made a great con back in uh, Matthew that he said, uh, Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, well, blessed art thou Simon Barjona. That was the other name for Peter, because my father hath revealed that to you and I will build my church basically upon that great confession. And after Jesus went to heaven, uh, after he did his great work of the ministry and he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven, he handed the keys of the church over to his apostles. And the Acts of the Apostles is a great history book. Amen. We see the Bible is, people think it's a religious book with a, a bunch of do's and don'ts. There are some do's and don'ts, but there's a lot of history in both the Old and the New Testament. Absolutely. So one of the ways that we can verify this book is the historical truths and the evidence that have been documented by many researchers around the world. Well, history involves a timeline. There you go. And so when you look at history, you look at, you think about Christ, he came 2,000 years ago. Yep. So you can set a timeline and, and you can look through the genealogy of the Old Testament. Yep. This man begat that son and begat that son and that grandson. Sure. And you look through that and people have done those genealogical studies, careful studies, and you'll see that the timeline and the history match together, showing that Adam and Eve at the very beginning in the garden was like yep. 4000 BC. Yes. Uh, Dr. Floyd Nolan Jones has a great book on that. And he said the, uh, the uh, King James Bible uh, because they took the Hebrew and put it into English, and you can read through, has an unbroken chronological record going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Amen. And it's the only book that you'll find that in. And so here we're reading the Acts of the Apostles. We're seeing more history, and uh, we're getting a blessing today, this morning, if you... Uh, are not driving a car, you're home, uh, grab your Bible and open to Acts chapter 19. We're going to see the Apostle Paul returning to a place he had visited before called uh, Ephesus, which was in Asia Minor, where he began a great church. And we're going to see some of the events that occurred there. Uh, interesting stuff. I think you'll, you'll get a curious blessing out of this today. <laughs> and if you like some of the old shows, remember we are sponsored by a little church up in Amherst, New York, outside of Buffalo. It's called Grace and Truth Church. And they archive the old programs on their website. You just got to go to, you got to spell out this long word, Grace and A-N-D Truth Church dot O-R-G. And up will come the homepage. It says sermons, click that. And then it will say, 
six options and click the one that says YouTube and you can see the old and watch and listen to the old What Is Truth programs. And today's we're going to put up there, obviously, but uh, get your Bible and turn to 19 of the book of Acts, chapter 19, and we're going to take a look at what happens to Paul as he heads back to his church in Ephesus. Amen. There's there's a lot of stuff going on in this chapter. Oh, yeah. And you said some curious stuff. I mean, some of the things... Paul runs into some disciples from Apollos. Right. So this happens in Ephesus. Uh, there's questions about baptism there. There's uh, disputing daily in, in a school that happens there. And uh, th- there's just so much. There's handkerchiefs in this chapter. <laughs> and maybe somebody who's watched some televangelists, you know, they, they might have run into sending sending a handkerchief in with a prayer and some money. Yeah, as long as you send them a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's exorcists in verse 13. There's all kinds of, of stuff things. going on. There's book burn in this chapter. There's a riot in this sure, chapter. Sure. So let's get into this chapter. All right. All right. So this is uh, Acts chapter 19 verse, I'm going to go one through five okay. here in the beginning. And the Bible says, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Well, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So there's more going on after that, but I want to jump on this a little bit. First of all, um, in this first seven verse section here, Paul, he's kind of converting Apollos' converts. Uh, Apollos, he was at Corinth, and Paul here is returning to Ephesus. Um, yeah. In the last chapter, in the 18, last chapter. if you yep. remember uh, a week ago, in chapter 18, verse 24, Apollos comes on the scene for the first time. He's he's a Jewish man. He's a Jewish man who they say is mighty in the scriptures. Uh, and to the Jews, the scriptures at the time, what we're writing here, which is like 50 AD, those were the writings of Moses all the way through Malachi, the 24 scrolls that the uh, Jews had, which match up with the 39 books that we now have in the Old Testament because they separated some of those books out. First and second Kings, they made into two books, things like that. But it's the same writings. Amen. And he grew up with this. And he, he was an eloquent man. He was uh, born in uh, Africa at Alexandria, up in Egypt there. He had studied. He was instructed in the way of the Lord, most likely the Lord Jehovah from the Old Testament. He was fervent in spirit, and he came to Ephesus uh, after Paul was on a journey somewhere, and he met some people, and he showed them teachings from the Old Testament. And now he leaves, and he goes to, I don't know where he went, Corinth. He took off to another city, maybe a traveling evangelist. And Paul now comes back to Ephesus and he finds some of these disciples who've been studying with Apollos and he asks them some questions. This is interesting. Yes. And the reason I find it interesting is not just historically, practically. I mean, we have people here that are studying the Bible. 
We right. got people in Corinth studying the Bible. We got people in Ephesus studying the Bible. We got people in, that came from Alexandria studying the Bible. We have teachers teaching the Bible. And here comes Paul. Now, we know if you've been with us for the past few months, we know that God called Paul back in the ninth chapter. Yes. And God said, um, he's going, he's chosen. He's a chosen vessel to me. Jesus said, he is going to bear my name before the Gentiles and the children of Israel. He's going to uh, be given the gospel of Christ and he's going to explain it. So Paul knows that he knows that he knows truth. He goes on to write 14 books of the Bible. Right. So Paul, here's a, a teacher given by God, the father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and he sees some people talking religion, talking Bible, and he asks them some probing questions. Now, sometimes you might think maybe we ought not to do that. It's none of our business. Well, in this case, he wants to find, the question is simple. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's in verse 2. Okay. So think about that. Have you received... Received is like a gift. You're Uh receiving a gift. Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? He wants to find out, have they put their faith in Jesus Christ? In other words, he's wanting to know, do you have true salvation? Yes. Are you truly saved? We might ask the question today, are you born again? Are you saved? Right. I'm, I'm more likely to ask someone that than I would ask what Paul asked, but we're basically trying to get to the same issue here. Now, I have to say, it's a very important right here in Acts 19.2. You better have a King James Bible where the words are preserved exactly as they are because all the modern versions, they change this question. Okay. And this is an important question. It's a very important. It's a- so in, in all the modern versions, whether it's an NIV or a New King James or ASV or whatever it may be, this is how the changed Bibles word it. They say, instead of, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed... The new Bible say, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And I have an NIV right here, and I double-checked it, and that's exactly what it says. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, that's changing the whole attitude of the question. Yeah. That, that's making things very murky. It's, and it's, it's saying, it sounds did you? close. It sounds close yeah. on the surface, but it's saying, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Not the Holy Ghost. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, if somebody believes, that's the moment in time that you're they, saved. They ought to receive it. That's the gift of God. That's the Yes. And so people question that, like, is that a moment in time? Yes. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says there's a day of salvation. Correct. Yeah. So... That's the one thing. You want to have God's pure words. You want to have a King James Bible. Sure. And with this question, he's probing, are you saved? That's right. Yeah. Simple as that. And they answered, uh, uh, we've not we've so much even heard. heard if there's something called the Holy Ghost. <laughs> right. So they don't know about that. And he says, well, then what were you baptized? Well, unto what then were you baptized? And then they said, unto John's baptism. Now, part of the reason, let's let's go back historically, uh, Apollos he grew up with the writings from Moses to Malachi. He was mighty in those. He was uh, coming and he was excited to get people into the word of God. But the word of God was being increased with the New Testament. And Paul was giving the New Testament. Apollos didn't know it. 
And in the Old Testament, you will not find the word the Holy Ghost. That is a New Testament term. Interesting. Given by Jesus in the upper room when he explained, I will give you the comforter, the Holy Ghost, when you believe on me after I'm raised from the dead. So this wasn't something God could offer to an Old Testament person. An Old Testament person wants to understand, I need to be a follow them, a Moses. I need to believe what's written here in the Old Testament. But this is now the New Testament. Jesus said, this is the New Testament in my blood. Paul would write to the Hebrews, this is the better Testament. And so they're reading some Bible. They're reading some scriptural writings, but they're incomplete as to where God wants them to be. Well, like you said, they hadn't even heard about the Holy Ghost because it wasn't in the Old Testament. And the New Testament reveals... Jesus revealed more. And in that, uh, if with the Old Testament, if they're following along what John did, now, you know, in the beginning of the New Testament, like in the beginning of Matthew, John the Baptist shows John up. John the and, Baptist. And yeah, we got John's baptism. Yeah. Okay. And he's, he's talking about this baptism of repentance. Correct. But Paul, like you said earlier, he wrote a lot of other books in the Bible. Yes. And one of them was 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is Paul, the author of most of the New Testament of the Bible. He says in 1 Corinthians 1.14, he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, right? And then a couple verses later in in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And so that's what Paul was going out, spreading the word of God by preaching the gospel that Christ died for our sins. Sure. And and they, they were saying, Apollos was teaching them, you need a baptism of repentance. Now that takes us all the way back to Matthew. And here, you know, we'll do some teaching on the show. You say uh, to Mark or to me, you say, but that's New Testament. Well, actually, it's Old Testament. When Jesus Christ came, he was fulfilling the Old Testament. The New Testament would not begin until he shed his blood on Calvary's cross. Mm, The New Testament begins with the shedding of Jesus' blood. So when you're reading the book of Matthew from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 27, you're basically reading the culmination of the Old Testament. And John the Baptist in chapter 3, when he shows up, he comes to Jerusalem and what he sees is a bunch of priests that have corrupted the Old Testament teaching. And so he came preaching and he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God had told him the king is about to show up on the scene and the king's going to show up in the next chapter, Jesus Christ, and take on the devil. And he's trying to get the people, we need to turn back. We need to repent and turn back to not what's being done at the temple now, but what what God said in his book. One of the problems I think God faced in the Old Testament temple around that time before the first coming of the Lord, and I think one of the problems he faces today in the New Testament church before the second coming of the Lord is we've turned to traditions and we've turned from the word of God. Yes. And, And Peter later on would write that we're born again not of traditions given to us by our fathers. He says, um, 
You're not redeemed with corruptible things. You're not redeemed by vain conversation. You're not redeemed by the tradition that you got from your fathers. You're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. And you're born again by the word of God by which the gospels preach to you. And so the New Testament gospel, after Jesus rose from the dead, he said in Mark, okay, now guys, go out and preach the gospel to every creature. Yes. You don't need to preach the baptism of repentance. You need to preach teach the baptism where I'll remit their sins. In Matthew's gospel near the end, he makes it very clear about, he says in uh, Matthew 28, verse 19, this is the command. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. There we go. Something that Apollos didn't teach. Right. Because the baptism he's talking about, and he doesn't mean our mind because we're physical, when you read that verse again, baptizing, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy now Ghost. Now the first thought I had when I read that means when I get in the water, I'm supposed to say the father and the son and the Holy Ghost, but he didn't mean baptizing in water. He meant spiritually baptizing their mind and their heart and their soul in the spiritual truth that the God of the old Testament is three in one, yes. the father the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yes. That's what God wanted to reach the Jews with. Even today they struggle with that. And today I think a lot of people struggle with the truth of the Godhead or the Trinity. Yes. And and again, you need a King James Bible. So in 1 John 5, 7, you have the clear definition of the Trinity, which is, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Amen. And that's the teaching that God wants us to get. And we talk about it all the time. You say, I, I don't understand it. Well, I don't fully understand it either. But God, but God is asking for my faith, not my understanding. Amen. Amen. And and you were saying that our mind traditionally goes right to water when the word baptism sure. is mentioned. Yeah. But right where you were in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist himself says, I indeed baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist. That's all I can do. I'm just a man. I can so do water. He, he says, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me, meaning Christ, is mightier than I, and he says, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. That's a, a different spiritual baptism. baptism. Not water. And Because God uh, looks on the inward part of us, the spirit and the soul, the heart. Amen. He's not looking at, at the body so much. Um, and if you've ever looked in a mirror recently, at least I have, it's not, not, not that flattering to look at anyways. Um, he's looking at the heart. He told one of his prophets in the Old Testament, he said, men look on the outward appearance yes. and the way a person's addressed and the way they comb their hair. But I'm looking on the heart and my son wants to baptize you inside with the Holy Ghost when he sees you have a heart of repentance and faith. And so all through the scriptures, the yep. example is always, and we've seen it all through the book of Acts, yep. first they believed, then they were baptized. Yep. And... I hope this is a fitting verse. Maybe you can judge me on this, but this is Second uh, Corinthians seven ten, where Paul again he writes, "For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, amen, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death." So basically, he's saying that repentance, turning to God, and having a godly sorrow inside, yes. inside your heart, that leads you to salvation. 
Sure. And that's what Paul was asking. Are you guys saved? Right. Have you been saved? Oh, no, we did a great religious ceremony. And, and it's a, a good religious ceremony. And we repented and said, we're going to stop being bad little boys. We're going to be the best we can. And Paul says, well, you're not going to get the gift of the Holy Ghost by that. Right. You need to understand, you need to turn your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I'm sure Paul began to preach them the gospel. That's what he does. Well, we're, we're seeing, and we've been saying for weeks, that the book of Acts is an adventure. It's an adventure of spreading the gospel. Amen. And all through that adventure of spreading the gospel, they're not going around baptizing, baptizing with water. No. That's not what they're doing. Christ read, sent read. me not to baptize, but to preach. Paul went everywhere and preached in the synagogues, in the streets, in the marketplace. Exactly. And so the, the, the system today where religious traditions have gotten a little off track yeah. on that. I have an example here. This is a, a Lutheran hymnal, and it's uh, got the, the worship stuff in here and it also has a section here on holy baptism and these would be the doctrines the official doctrines of the lutheran church yes and so some of this stuff not all of it but some of it comes from the catholic church right so you've got you know catholics have like seven sacraments and lutherans have two and so it's a little bit like that but here under baptism and they always think of water baptism right and so here in the lutheran hymnal this is in uh page 203 it says that Almighty God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has given you the new birth of water and of the Spirit. So right away, <laughs> they get they're physical pushing with water. Yeah, water. There we go. But all through the book of Acts, as we're studying the Bible, they're not doing a new birth with water. It's the, it's the opposite. Yes. They're doing a new birth in the Spirit. It's a spiritual birth. And then secondly, here on the same page in this Lutheran hymnal, it says that, Almighty God uh, will graciously pres preserve and has granted you the new birth in holy baptism. It, that's, the new birth is not in holy baptism. The new birth is in spirit. Yes. And you'll see that in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. It's a spiritual birth. Yeah. And then Paul had to go on uh, later on and write an entire book, the small book of Galatians, about the heresy of trying to add one thing to the perfect work of Jesus Christ. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Um, did you receive the gift of the Spirit of God by the works of the law or the works of sacraments or the works of baptism? Or did you receive it by the hearing of faith? And he said, we uh, receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In verse 14, uh, I tell you, if you be circumcised and you're counting on that, or you be baptized and you're counting on that, or you do a number of sacraments and you're counting on that, Christ shall profit you nothing. It, what you're supposed to do is put all your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the New Testament. That's what he did at Calvary. Amen. And I think one way to consider this is that the work at Calvary was the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. God in the flesh. God came down in the flesh. He did the work. He's on the cross. He said it is finished. Bingo. And God gets the glory. Amen. That's why it's his work and not our work. And by the way, his work is all sufficient. Amen. It's eternal and perfect. That's yeah. God up there working. Yeah. And so, you know, anyone who wants to get right with God just simply has to turn towards God and put their faith in his work on the cross. Yes. There you go. And and the Bible says here in Acts, uh, when they heard this, 
you know, when they heard the, the gospel message to believe on Christ, don't believe on a water baptism, believe on Christ. Yes. And when they did that, verse five, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes. So now they're saved. Yeah. And, and uh, again, I've, some of my pastor friends will argue, well, well, Jesus said, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Here it says, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, when you're teaching someone about the Lord Jesus, you're teaching them that he and the Father are one. You're teaching them that he's part of the Godhead and the Trinity that gives the Holy Ghost. Amen. You're teaching them the truth of the scriptures about the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where you want your faith. Amen. And so they were baptized. They were putting their spiritual faith and trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And then here, verse like six and seven of Acts 19. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and they prophesied and all the men were about 12. Yes. And I just want to remind people that when they spake with tongues, tongues were for a sign. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, that the Jews require a sign. Yes. So that's the way God set things up. And so he's giving them a sign right there. And, and again, Acts is a historical book. Yes. So we're reading the history of the first of 40 years, how God is building his church, almost like the 40 years when they were in the wilderness journey and they came out of um, Egypt. Yes. And there was that 40 years before they finally got to the promised land. And the promised land for the New Testament is the Bible. And it took 40 years for God to get enough of that Bible written together, all except maybe the book of Revelation, where people could read all the works of Paul, they could read the four Gospels, they could read the history book of Acts, and they could understand that what God was doing is like he said that one day when uh, the one person they were up on the Mount of Transfiguration and the heaven opened and the father said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. And the New Testament is testifying about Jesus Christ. And once that New Testament was written, they didn't need signs anymore. They had the scriptures. They Amen. graduated from signs to the scriptures. Today, we need the scriptures. We don't need signs, except maybe the ones you and I hold on the street, which have scriptures, <laughs> scripture on them, signs. so people can Amen. read them. Yeah. Amen. But yeah, it was a transition period from Old to New Testament. Right. Simple as that. Um, we have verse 8, as we're moving on, and in uh, chapter 19 of Acts, it says, and he went into the synagogue, this is Paul, Yep. he went into the synagogue and he spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. A Amen. And, and, and the nice thing I see here, three months. So I know they met every Saturday in the synagogue. That was their Sabbath day. And so seven, how many times are they? Three times, 12 times. 12 times. He went 12 times. And all he's trying to do is show you need to be patient. Amen. You might not get it the first time. You might not get it the second time. That's the way it was I for did, me. I didn't get it. That's the way <laughs> it was for me. Times. Yeah. I mean, how many times have people heard about Jesus? Yes. And yet you need to understand the gospel message that he actually died personally for our sins. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just about, um, uh, uh, for our station break, about the done with the first half of the show, right here on What is Truth. And we've been studying, again, I'm enjoying the study because I'm learning not only practical true history. I'm learning practical, spiritual application Amen. for today. God wants to still build his church today. 
and he builds it one soul at a time. Amen. And when a soul repents and turns to the Lord Jesus Christ, God gives them the gift of salvation and the Holy Ghost and puts it inside them as a seal. And uh, happened to me years ago, happened to you, brother. And uh, God wants it to happen to our listeners. Yeah. Amen. And you got to just keep listening and keep reading the Bible. Amen. So so just remember, if you want to catch some of the old shows, go to the website, graceandtruthchurch.org. Again, if you have some free time, we're going to be with you another half hour. Uh, Grab your Bible open to Acts chapter 19. We're going to pick it up. Uh, around verses 9 and 10 right after this short break we'll be right back what is truth what is truth want answers i think i'm entitled you want answers i want the truth you can't handle the truth do like jesus said search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth amen and welcome back to the second half of the show. We see how Paul is uh, going about, and I'm just thinking about this. I mean, imagine you're at the workplace, and usually at the workplace, it said he came to this place and he found certain disciples and they were studying some Bible. That's kind of an exception. It's not too often right. at the workplace or at the school or at the park or the mall, you'll find people sitting around studying the scriptures. Not you know? in modern day America. No, not too often. Yeah. But if you did find some people engaged in Bible study, scripture study, spiritual study, you might want to come along and ask them some important questions. Because the here's one I have. Why would somebody study a spiritual book? Why would somebody, uh, let's say, delve into religion? Why would they maybe even open the Bible? Wouldn't it be because maybe they're looking for answers? They're looking for truth? Yeah, they're looking for foundational truth, like why am I here and what purpose is all this? And where and, am I going? Where did yeah. it come from? All these things. Okay. Yeah. All right. And and if you're doing this, isn't it possible to open the Bible and just like these guys did, and they're finding some things in the Old Testament, but they're missing the great picture of the New Testament. Amen. Or maybe even we could find some things in the New Testament about prophecy, and we could miss the important truths of salvation. So if if you are someone that knows the truth of salvation and you are saved, you might want to jump in there and ask them, have you found the gift of the Holy Ghost? Have you found salvation in that book? And if they say, we don't know anything about it, then show them. Amen. And like you said, it's a gift. So have you received it? There. Okay. Have you ever received the gift of Jesus Christ and his salvation? And, you know, people go through struggles. And I see a struggle here with Paul where he goes into the synagogue and you said for three months, every Saturday, every Sabbath, that'd be like 12 times he did it over and over, right? Yep. And so what about what he said earlier in the book of Acts, in Acts 13, 46, and in Acts 18, 6, he said, I'm, I'm done with you. Uh, you know, you Jews, you don't want to hear the word of God. And if you don't want to hear it, then I'm just going to go off to the Gentiles. He said that in the past. Yeah. And yet here he is persistently. He cares about the Jews. He cares yeah. about yeah. his his brethren. And you'll find that in the book of Romans yes. in, in 9, 3 and yeah. in 10, 1. Yeah, my heart. He cares yeah. about his people. You know, his heart's desire and, and his prayer is that Israel 
would be saved. I, I, you know, interesting for me, uh, Italian, I grew up Roman Catholic. Amen. And um, I did too. I, I thought, well, I didn't think much about it. I thought, I figured I knew enough about God. Everything would work out one day when I stood before him. He'd go, well, you weren't the best guy, but you weren't the worst guy. You'll be okay. You know, the priest told you, yeah. you did a few more good works uh, than, than bad. You'll be okay with me. And then I, and someone brought me to a Bible study and I learned that it wasn't about my good works. It was about Jesus's perfect work. Amen. It wasn't about the things I did in the short space of my lifetime. It's about the eternal work from everlasting to everlasting that God, the father and, and God, the son did. And, and I learned the gift of salvation and I learned how to receive the Holy ghost. And I did. And I, you know, went to tell my Catholic family and friends and a lot of resistance. Like it says in verse nine, uh, many of them were hardened and they believe not. Oh, that's good for you, but we're, we're fine where we are. And yet I know that I know I used to be like that. I wasn't saved back then. I, now I am. I want them to have salvation. And the assurance of that salvation. Yeah. And one of the things that happens is uh, you try for a while and you go, I'm just giving up. I'm not going to try them anymore. And little by little, you go right back yeah. because this is how we grew up. We want to reach our kinsmen. Yeah, it's our heart's desire, yes. like Paul says. Yeah. And he really tries, and he tries all different kinds of ways to get through to them. And and so, you know, people can relate, Christians can relate to that, like Absolutely. you're talking about. And and that's just, that's part of the, but, but you, you said something really good in that last statement. You said that it's, when you were growing up, you thought it was uh, uh, kind of striving to attain good works. Yeah. And yet that's a refusal of God's work. Yeah. You just have to receive what God did. It's his good work that can get someone into heaven, not, not any of our works. Right. So that's, that's the way that is. And then here in uh, verse, let me see, verse 9 and 10, after, after he was in the synagogue, it says, But when diverse were hardened and believed not, but they spake evil of that way before the multitude... So he, now they're debating openly with Paul. Yes. And it says he, that would be Paul, he departed from them and he separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. Okay. And this continued by the space of two years, two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And it says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, it's interesting there that he... He wanted to go to Asia back in Acts chapter 16, yes. and the Holy Ghost told him not to, and yeah. he obeyed God, and he did what he was told. He went, he went he got the Macedonian call Yep, right at that time, Yep, and he obeyed God. He went to Macedonia, and, he, and yet here, a few chapters later, God blesses him, and Asia hears him after all. Yes. How about that? Yeah. Well, I think the reason is God saw there was a need. God believes that there's a great need down here. Amen. Uh, a long time ago, God saw a need 2000 years ago. And uh, the need was the, the payment for the penalty of sin. And God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus into the world and let him die and take the curse on the cross for all the penalty of sin for us. And God still sees there is a need, and God wants to send someone where there is a need. Today we have missionaries go to places where there are needs. Amen. I mean, they, they sell their home, they quit their job, they move overseas, and they go to these places. And this is Paul 
one of the first missionaries doing it and setting the trend. And yeah. is, isn't every Christian a missionary? I mean, that's a command. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Sure. Right? Sure. And so as little missionaries, which it's a good message, it's good good news, and you're going out and you're giving a good message, whether it's, whether it's in the marketplace or in your neighborhood you or go. at the workplace Excellent. or wherever you are, Excellent. right? And Paul did it in the marketplace, yep. right? So as you're doing that, um, God's going to bless that. And we're not going to work special miracles like him because we're not Paul. These were special miracles of his. Yeah, and he's going to mention them later on. But I just want to say something. I think they're small miracles compared to the miracle of someone getting saved. Amen. I think the greatest miracle is getting saved. Like here he was saying later on that uh, some of the handkerchiefs that uh, from his body were brought to sick people handkerchiefs that maybe Paul carried in his pocket or an apron that he wore and the diseases departed from those people and, and folks were allowed. This is great. I mean, I've been suffering with this bronchitis for five years now. I just got a handkerchief from Paul. Uh, my bronchitis went away. All right. That, that, that's a good miracle. And if you live another 15 years before you die, 15 years, you, you breathe well. But if you were to die breathing well, but you're not saved, then what's the end point? Eternity is long. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but however, let's say I didn't have someone that could do a miracle today and give me a handkerchief to get rid of my bronchitis, but he could give me the gospel message and I can get saved. That lasts for eternity. That lasts forever. Yeah. And and I think Jesus knows himself what's most important. And if you remember in John chapter four with the woman at the well, the disciples were talking to go about going and buying some food. Right. And Jesus said, I have meat that you know not of. Meaning, I'm working on getting this lady saved. I'm doing some fishing here right this now. This is more important. This is more important. This is more important yep. than physical food. It's spiritual food for her soul. And that's one of the great things God is, had to teach me. I never thought that way until I got saved. Yeah. I always thought the best thing I can do is help someone. Someone's poor. I'd love to be able to buy my wife and I. Long time ago, <laughs> you know, you're young in your twenties and you're hoping to, to play the lottery and hit the big one. And we said, what will we do if we were to win this $40 million lottery? Well, okay, we don't need $40 million. I mean, back then in 1980 something, okay, we can put a million in the bank. We'd be set for a long time. We thought of all the people we could help, yeah. but we thought of helping them pay bills, helping them get a car, all the temporal, physical, physical. things that were needed. I never right. thought spiritual about eternal things. It wasn't until someone helped me receive the Holy Ghost and get that spiritual and realize this is eternal. This is the bigger miracle. Amen. And I think the problem is today we sell short the miracle of the new birth. And that's the biggest miracle. Well, on that note, uh, I, I was talking to a neighbor, I think a week or two, maybe two weeks ago. And he was saying that, you know, he remembers the good old days of America. Okay. And when things were, you know, in his case, you know, really good, he's thinking all the way back to the twenties, thirties, forties, back when we used to, it, it, we used to build things okay. here and we had manufacturing and, and people that knew how to work and, and build Correct. things. A different you know? work ethic. Yes. Very different. And, and in this case, he was concerned about his grandson. He goes, I, I've lived a good life, but my grandkids are what I love the most and care about the most. And I worry for them more yes. than I worry for me. 
And I said, well, in that case, then you really want your grandson and your grandchildren to be saved. Amen. I mean, it'd be good if you're saved, but you're saying that they're the, your main focus. Well, you want them to be saved. You want them to know the Lord Jesus Christ and, and have assurance of salvation so that they can get in on the goodness of God and have everlasting life. Amen. And if you think America was great back, you know, 80 years ago, that's nothing compared to what God's got in store for us. Absolutely. We, you know, when the Lord Jesus comes back at the second coming, the government will be on his shoulders. Amen. And he'll be running things. They were showing some documentaries recently. Um, November 22nd was the 60-year anniversary of the assassination of Kennedy. And they were showing about the thousand days that he was the president mm. and what he did in America back in 61, 62, 63, and how they called those the days of Camelot. But even then, even in there the were a lot days. of problems yes. in America at that time. There was the beginning of some of the race rights that were going on. There were problems. I mean, he was doing the best he could. But when Jesus comes back uh, and he rules for a thousand years, it's going to be better than the thousand days of Kennedy. Absolutely. And, and, it's going to so, gonna make the good old days look like n not so good. Right, right. And, and here we're talking about handkerchiefs for sick people and people that had diseases and evil spirits. That's it's like, yeah, people want to be comforted from that stuff. I understand. Everybody wants to be comforted from diseases and, and problems. Sure. But we're talking about the long picture, the long term. And, and God wants his desires for all men to be and, saved. And like Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost? We don't, we don't know anything about that. Well, Jesus calls the Holy Ghost the comforter. Amen. And he says, I'll, I'll, I'll give you comfort on the inside. Amen. I'll comfort your troubled soul and your troubled spirit. And your body may still suffer, but bodies come and go, and eventually they end up in a coffin. But your spirit and your soul now have the comforter. They're going to be with the Father in heaven and the holy angels, and they'll be with me when I set up my kingdom on earth, and I'll give you a new body. There's something I look forward to. And, and not, not just the new body, but uh, for me, I remember when I got saved, it was um, the assurance because all through my life before I got saved, my first 33 years or whatever, I never, I, I always heard from churches and stuff that you have to try to try to be good and, right. and, 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 you know, be a good church member and be a good person and try to make it to heaven. But the Bible gives the assurance in first John yep. where he says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have everlasting life. That's a promise. Yep. And that Bible promise is, that's the thing I hang on to. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I've been thinking when Jesus was teaching in the Gospel of John, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If you partake of this bread, you'll live forever. Now, I remember where I used to go, they would put a little wafer there and they'd say this was the the body of the Lord, and I would go and take it uh, faithfully, but I never had that assurance that I was going to live forever until I understood the living bread was spiritual and Amen. I partake in my soul. And when I did that, I know there's, there's a voice inside me, the, the voice of God himself, the comforter saying, you're mine, Amen. child, you're mine. Yeah. Amen. And so as we move on in the chapter here, yeah. Acts 19, verse 13, now we run into some exorcists. Okay. So here's, here's another adventure that he runs into. <laughs> it says, uh, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, they took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits 
the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole thing about exorcism, I guess it's been, uh, you know, copied by Hollywood and they had the exorcist movie decades ago and people were all uh, enthralled by that or whatever. But this is, this is a real story where there's a real evil spirit and this evil spirit answers these foolish men that think that they're going to be exorcists. And it was a seven sons of Sceva. And uh, it's interesting. The spirit knew Jesus. Yes. The spirit knew Paul. The evil spirit knew the who evil. Jesus was. Yep. And he knew who Paul was. Yes. And he says, but who are ye? And then he attacked them. Yes. Yeah. Now, this is a, a great teaching that um, I never learned in high school or in pre-med or in medical school, I, I never learned it in any of the conferences I went to. I've never seen it discussed on the History Channel or the uh, Discovery Channel or anything like this. It's a truth that only the Bible can tell us. Again, the, the folks were uh, studying spiritual books when Paul showed up. They're studying the Bible. What are they learning? They're learning that there is a God. Another thing they're learning is there is the enemy of God the devil. Yeah. He, he shows up in the Old Testament. He shows up early in the garden. He's the one that wants to deceive and accuse uh, us. And that that's what he does. Yeah. But, but I didn't know that because I didn't have a Bible. And, and here these people, they're suffering from evil spirits. Now, when Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, there's one coming on the scene. He's greater than I am. Uh, get ready. The kingdom of heaven's at hand. The king is about to come. Well, in the fourth chapter of Matthew, the king shows up. And when the king, Jesus, shows up, the first thing he does is he takes on the devil. And later Amen. on in that chapter, after he, he shows that if you're going to follow someone, I want to follow someone that can win the victory. He just won the victory with the devil. Amen. It was a, a three- a round match and he beat him three times unanimous decision knocked him out and then it says later in that chapter matthew 4 verse 23 and then jesus went about all galilee teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people uh, they brought to him all the sick people it says in verse 24 that were taken with diverse diseases and torments. And then it said there were those who were possessed with devils. There were those who were lunatic. There were those that had palsy and he healed them. And when I was reading through that with the lens of scripture, understanding that men and women are created in the image of God with three parts. Amen. They have a spirit, they have a soul, they have a body. And he's saying you can have a disease you can have a sickness in any one of those three parts. An evil spirit or devil will try and get into the spirit of your mind yes. and get you think the wrong thoughts. A battle for the mind. Yeah. The the lunatic, which comes from Luna, is the moon. 
and the moon has the effects of the tides where the tides come in and they go out. Your soul can be an in and out, up and down, bipolar type of a soul that's troubled. And then finally, those that had the palsy, that would be a body problem where you don't have enough neurotransmitter. But as a doctor, I only thought there was one kind of sickness, body sickness. By by the way, you're in Matthew chapter 4, verse 24. So right near the end of Matthew chapter 4, you find this where they were possessed, they were lunatic, and they were palsy. And it's talking about the spirit. Spirit. The soul, soul and, and the, body. the body. Yeah. And it's Disease right there. Can be, you can be diseased in any one of the three. Amen. And for a hundred years, I don't think any doctors even considered that possibility. And it says, and he healed them. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to think about a, um, a condition that has seemed to swell from the time when I was a doctor, when I started medical school in 78, there was a very, very, very rare condition that some children had called autism. Hmm. And they had a, a difficulty understanding what people were saying, even though they grew up, let's say, in America and the language was English. The mom and dad couldn't seem to communicate with them. They didn't seem to communicate back they're all that clo- well. They're kind of closed off in their own little world. Yeah. And it, it seems to me that that's a spiritual condition. Somehow, one of the unclean or devilish spirits has got in and built a wall around that mind and... It doesn't communicate well with other people. And the only one that can fix that is the Lord. What that child needs is the prayers and a mom and dad, a believing mom and dad that can sanctify them through prayer and give them the word of God to break down that stronghold. And today we treat it just like it's a physical condition. And it's really increased since 1978. To the point where there's a special needs. uh, The school in my school district has a whole extra wing built on the school in the last decade for special needs. That wasn't needed when I was back in school. Nope. Don't remember that. Yeah. There's an increase. And I think one of the reasons is, as we read the Bible, and this is why we're studying it, folks, we see that when Jesus was coming on the scene the first time in Matthew and Mark and Luke, there were a lot of children struggling with it. And and the Lord was kind of showing us, when my son is ready to come, this is when all the devils come out and Mm. cause the problem. And we've seen this increase in the last 30 years because his son is ready to come back. Yes. He's the only one that can deal with it. Well, we see what's going on in the world with wars yeah. and earthquakes and storms and just all the things going on. There's a lot of things drawing nigh that the Lord's coming back soon for the second time. Uh, as we move on the story to finish this paragraph in verse 17, Acts 19, 17, it says, and this was known, this thing this, about this, uh, this evil spirit that attacked these so-called exorcists, right? Yeah. This thing was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many that believed came, and they confessed, and they showed their deeds, and many of them also which used curious arts, they brought their books together. And they burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And I notice in 17 where it says, and fear fell on them all. Yes. They they heard about what happened here. They heard about yes. that this evil spirit, he knew Jesus, he knew Paul. Yes. And, but he had no respect unto these so-called uh, exorcists. These vagabond These exorcists. vagabond Jews. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when the fear fell on them, you know, it's a good thing to have fear of the Lord. The other thing that I I thought that was interesting is in verse 19, they 
used curious arts. Yes. And books about curious arts, like books about witchcraft and books about the books of the dead and uh, spiritual books. And this might have been the portal that opened them up to allow these devils to come in because these curious arts, they're not written by God. No. The books of the dead in Egypt, they're not written by God. The books of the fables of the mythology about uh, various spirits, they're not written by God. The devil, trying to deceive people, has some of his... um, uh, messengers, messengers of Satan, Paul would call them, writing books that are unclean books. And they seem okay. You know, I remember another thing when I, when I was growing up. When I was growing up, before Barnes & Noble arrived in this town, there was a bookstore called Albrecht's. Yes. And it was like the major bookstore. And then, then Barnes & Noble arrived. But when, when Albrecht's was around and Barnes & Noble was around, there wasn't a section on spiritism and spiritual books back then. Years ago. Not, not, and, not and, 1960s. And now there's not, a huge now section everywhere. on, on uh, magic. Yes. And witchcraft. Curious arts. And, and dark stuff. Yeah. And this opens a portal Yes, for these. You read these things and our mind is influenced by what we read and what we hear. What we need is the word of God to grow mightily. It's the word of God that Paul will later write to the Ephesians that this is the armor of God so we can stand against the devil. Take a look at that, Mark, in in Ephesians chapter 6. It's in this very area where Paul said, wow, these people need protection. I better write about it. Uh, Well, he says, uh, verse 12 around there, I don't know. Right around 12, he's, well, verse 11 of Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Yeah. Now you were thinking on that. I was just thinking on the very next book, like a page or two later in Philippians, where he's talking about what you ought to think on. Good. And it's got to be chapter chapter four. four. Yep. And in Philippians four, He's talking about the peace of God, Philippians 4, 7, which passeth all understanding. Now, think about this. When you're going through a a bookstore with a a section on black magic and evil spirits and demons and all that stuff, that's not peace of mind. That's not peace of God. But here in the Bible, we've got the peace of God, and it shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. He says, finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's right. You're not going to find that in a black magic section of the bookstore. And and then verse 9, and the peace of God shall be with you. And, And what he's just showing us back in, whether it's Ephesians 6, talking about taking the shield of faith and the word of God with you, what what things are true? Well, God is faithful and true. Amen. Everything he writes, what things are honest? Well, Jesus went about honestly and so did his apostles. What things are just? Well, Jesus is the just one. What things are pure? Well, every word of God is pure. Amen. What things are lovely? Well, Jesus is altogether lovely. What things are of a good report? Well, the gospel is the good report. Yes. These are all the things that will protect our mind, the breastplate of uh, faith, 
the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, all the things that God will equip you with through his word. So the enemy can't come in. God tells you how to handle it. Yeah. So people during COVID, they feared, right? There's a lot of fear during COVID. And here we are just running through the Bible, running through the book of Acts. We run into this and, and in Philippians four, God tells you what to think on. And he's, he's not, he's telling you to fear not. Through the Bible, he tells you to fear, fear not. not. And here he tells you when you're struggling, think on these things. Amen. Well, there's a good. we didn't even get through the chapter. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit next week. I want to get back to verse 19 yes. and look at uh, something that happened in that verse. But uh, we've been enjoying this study, seeing how God the Father and God the Son are building the church, the true church of the born-again believers in Jesus Christ. And he's using... Men who go out and preach the word of God, even if there are people disputing, they continue. And that's what we need. And that's what we do right here on What is Truth every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. We're going to continue our journey through the scriptures so that we can learn more of God's work. Go to the website, Grace and Truth Church. Spell out that long word, graceandtruthchurch.org. Hit the sermons tab. Uh, Hit the YouTube tab. Listen to the old programs. And until we meet again next week, open your Bible, search the scriptures, and you'll know what is truth. Amen. You've been listening to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Listen every weekend at this time for What is Truth? Only on WECK.